All right, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, you're listening to the second episode of our new podcast. I'm D Moore, your host, and you're with my brother, Nabil. How you doing, man? What's good with it, brother? Nothing much, nothing much. Uh, so I have a few topics I want to cover with you today, man. Just tell me how you feel in the bottom, all right? Yes, sir. All right, so on today's slate, we have, just to be fair, uh, the NBA playoffs. Of so, course. Uh, I want to go with the series in the first round so far. Um, all of the series out west are – they're pretty dicey. Uh, outside of the Golden State, I feel like every game has been pretty dicey. But to me, the most intriguing series has to be Philly and Miami. Yeah. Just I'm, because, as you yeah. can see, like yesterday, with Dwayne Wade scoring 28 points, uh, Philly doesn't really have that veteran presence on their team. So things like that are going to happen. They don't really have that one person that can make them knuckle down and play the way they need to play in the playoffs. Uh, they're all kind of inexperienced, and they don't have their best player. I feel like that series is definitely going to go to seven games, and I honestly give the edge to Miami if it goes to seven. If Philly doesn't close them out in six, if it gets to seven, I feel like Miami might just pull away just because they have those veterans that's been in the playoffs before. They don't really have a lot of championship players on their team, but they do have those veterans that at least played major playoff minutes. Yeah, you know, I, I definitely agree with you there, brother. Um, as far as that series is concerned, uh, I definitely look closely at Philly's youth. Um, they, I believe, what was it, a 16, 17-game winning streak they had just closed out the regular season with and then took game one pretty easily for Miami. Uh, were trailing early in the first half, but really pulled away there in the second half and won by 30, so... Um, for me, it's how is how how is a young team like Philly when your leader at this point, um, considering Embiid, we don't know what he's going to return yet. Your leader and Ben Simmons um, has never even played in an NCAA tournament game, let alone uh, faced any adversity in an NBA playoff series. So while he still played really well in that uh, in that game too, I wonder uh, how everyone else. Is going to be able to respond uh, under his leadership. Yeah, exactly. Especially after a loss like that, letting Dwayne Wade go out like he was 06 Dwayne Wade. Looking like vintage the Wade, man. That was exactly. unbelievable. I mean, those shots he was hitting were those fadeaways, those 20 foot fadeaways. Yeah, I mean, it looked like the finals against the Mavs all over again in 2006. So, um, and uh, to touch on it from Miami's perspective, um, really, Whiteside. Uh, didn't do anything in game two. Um, also, I think that obviously has to do with the strategy that Spolstra is going with, countering uh, Brown's uh, strategy for the Sixers, and that's um, going with the small, speedy lineup to counter uh, the 76ers since they don't have him beat out there. So the way I see it, it's actually – I figured at first it would you know fully work to Philly's advantage – but really what it comes down to is Philly's, is Philly going to be able to knock down their three-pointers? I mean, game one, I believe they hit 18. Game two, what was it, seven of 36, I want to say? Yeah, it didn't shoot great from the field in game two. Yeah, they shot terrible from the field. They shot terrible from three. So, uh, again, in a situation like this, a young team now going out on the road, um, I think game three is really – I mean, I think this is t- – seven-game series, the uh, when the series is tied after two, um, 
the winner of game three goes on to win the series, something like 78 or 81 percent of the time. And uh, although that's an obvious that I think that really applies here because I think game three will tell us a lot about what Philly is made of. Um, if they come out here and can set the tone, you know, early on, handle that, uh, what should be a pretty, uh, pretty excited uh, Miami crowd. If they can go ahead and handle that, even, even if they were to lose, if they can at least keep a game three close, like to where it's going down the stretch of the fourth, if I was a Philly fan, which I'm not, I would at least be confident the rest of the way. But if Philly just comes out and, say, Ben Simmons is not able to put up the typical numbers he's become accustomed to putting up, um, and if, say, J.J. Redick and Dario Saric is not able to knock down those perimeter jumpers, if I'm a Philly fan, man, I'd be pretty concerned because falling down 2-1, um, you got to wonder how they'd be able to handle a game four in a series in a in a situation where really none of these guys have really ever been in before so yeah and uh, Eric Spolster is definitely one of the most underrated coaches in the NBA so I thought have a game plan in place to counter like you said counter that small ball Philly lineup they like to go with yeah yeah and right now um the thing with Miami is that no one I mean obviously you look at game two Wade really dominated but um apart from him it's really been kind of uh it's been a solid effort, really, from everybody involved offensively. I mean, you had Dragic coming in with, like, a really quiet 20-point game on shot to 14 from the field. You know, you had uh, um, James Johnson really, I mean, uh, dominated that game on all sides of the ball, but really got overshadowed by Wade's dominance. I mean, James Johnson, 18 points, didn't miss a shot from the field. Um Shot two of three from the line. So he had 18. He had seven boards, five assists, three steals. You know, you had Richardson come in with 14. And then off the bench, Olenek had a strong game. Um, so no one apart from Wade has really had a, a breakout performance. And a guy like Tyler Johnson, Dragic, or um, Richardson is capable of dropping anything from 18 to 25 regular night. So – if I'm a Philly fan, I'd be a bit concerned because Ben Simmons has already sort of topped out. I mean, I, I can't see him topping a performance from what he put up in game two. You know, it was a 24, 8, and 7. I mean, that's probably the most you can expect from him. So right now, I think it comes down to uh, J.J. Redick and Starich and all those other guys they have out there that need to knock down threes. Yeah, definitely. So out of the first-round series, uh, which one do you think is the most intriguing right now? And why? Well, Donovan, from perspective, I'm definitely leaning uh, towards the Pacers Cavs series. Um, that game one, I was probably one of me, uh, one of millions of viewers who was really pretty stunned in watching the way that game turned out. I mean, just total dominance from start to finish. Um, I believe it was 18 to four, and it was like a 20 point lead at the end of the first quarter uh, for Indiana. Really, uh, no one apart from LeBron could do anything remotely productive. Kevin Love did have 17 boards, but you need more than nine points from your second best player. Um, Jeff Green was uh, put up a, a nice big goose egg on 0 of 7 shooting. Didn't chip in a single point. You know, uh, Rodney Hood did shoot 4 of 8, but nine points ain't going to get it done. You did have J.R. Smith and Larry Nance Jr. come off the bench. 25 points between them, and they both shot over 50%. But in my opinion, that's not going to uh, be enough to get it done. Now, with that being said, 
LeBron's going to come out, in my opinion, game two with a totally different attitude. Uh, in that game one, we saw, I'm not going to say necessarily a passive LeBron per se. Well, passive in terms of he was literally passing the ball around. He was trying to get teammates involved, <laughs> and guys were just bricking open threes time and time again. I mean, they shot eight of 34 from three. Again, this is one of the best three-point shooting teams we have in the league, and not a single guy really was able to knock down uh, uh, any perimeter shots with the exception of uh, J.R. Smith, who shot three of six. So I still fully expect the Cavs to bounce back. I pegged them to win this series in six. Um, you do got to give a lot of credit to that young Pacers team. All the depot was uh, phenomenal. But I, I just expect LeBron to come out with a different mindset in game two. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if we see him go from anywhere from 35 to 40. Um, only put up 24 in game one. I expect him to come out early look to sort of make his move to the paint uh, and sort of get some easy buckets going. And then once they start looking at double and triple, then he's going to probably start looking to be more of the playmaking Bron instead of just the scoring LeBron. So that's my series for the most, uh, most entertaining. Um, but I still expect the Cavs to go ahead and pull on through. What's your uh, take? See, with, with this Indiana and Cleveland series, I feel like, Indiana doesn't have the talent, but they have the formula and they have the perfect personnel to actually beat Cleveland. Um, right. Almost team in the East. Uh, they have a lot of young, energetic bodies that they can throw at LeBron and kind of wear him down. Um, not saying that any of them can stop him. They don't have a LeBron stopper, quote unquote. But when you look at Thaddeus Young, 6'9, look at Bo- uh, Bojan Bogdanovich, 6'8, Lance Stevenson, everyone knows how he is when he plays mm-hmm. LeBron. They like to be physical with them. They all have six fouls to give. Um, I feel like they have the perfect formula to stop Cleveland. And Cleveland's kind of like in the same boat that Philly's in. They have LeBron and Kevin Love, but outside of that, they don't really have people that have a lot of playoff experience. George Hill, when he played with the Pacers, yeah, he did. Rodney Hood, I wouldn't say have playoff experience. Uh, Larry Nance, not really in the playoff experience. Jordan Clarkson, not really playoff experience. You look at Jose Calderon and... Kyle Corver, yeah, they have playoff experience, but those aren't the guys that go, that's that's going to win you the series. Um, if we look back at this first game, LeBron had 24, but he shot 7 to 17 from the field. Uh, there's no way Cleveland wins this series with LeBron shooting under 45% from the field. That's just that's not going to happen. Um, he did have a triple double. He didn't really have a lot of turnovers, but Jeff Green being your starting power forward and having zero points, mm-hmm. that that's just unacceptable. Uh, I feel like personally, I feel like the Cavs are definitely in more trouble than people think. I don't feel like this game is an outlier. I feel like this game is um, – this game shows what we've seen all year from the Cleveland Right, Cavaliers. right, right, right. It's LeBron or nothing. And although they did hold the Patriots under 100, 100 points, they didn't really play great defense. No one on the team played great defense. And I feel like they're going to have a hard time scoring the ball if it's not LeBron or Kevin Love. Yeah, Kevin Love only had nine points, but if you've watched Kevin Love play over the past few years, you know he's a guy capable of putting up more points than that. But if LeBron scores 30, Kevin Love scores 20, that's 50 points. I, I think Cleveland's going to have a hard time getting 50 point, getting fifty extra points out of the rest of their lineup. Um, I don't think Jordan Clarkson is really ready for the moment at the right now. Uh, Rodney Hill is a great complimentary player. Uh, he, always, he, he never really makes mistakes. He does what he's supposed to do. But I don't feel like he's the guy that's going to go out there and get you 15 to 20 points, especially on this Cavs team. 
with the way that they play. He only shot eight shots last game. Um, I feel like LeBron definitely came out the gates being very passive. He, I don't think he shot a shot in the first six. He minutes didn't of attempt the game. a shot. I think it was until like two minutes were left in the first. I think is what the stats showed. Yeah, that's that's not a winning formula for Cleveland. I feel like LeBron has to come out, and I know he's a pass first type of player. He's a natural passer, but he has to come out the gates, and I think he has to attack. He has to score, 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 and pretty much wear down that Indiana defense so that Cleveland can get those open threes. Uh, now I feel like they're they're guarding LeBron one on one more. They are throwing double teams at him when he's driving to the hole, but he's getting a lot of one on one options and. Indiana's pretty much saying, okay, LeBron, you beat me, and I'm not going to let anyone else on your team beat me. And that kind of takes away from LeBron's game. LeBron, like I said, he's more of a natural passer. He wants to get everyone involved. As you can see from the game, he had 12 assists. But if you look at everyone's stats, it's not really correlating to a lot of points for a lot of people. The second highest score was J.R. Smith for 15 off the bench. So I I personally feel like the Cavs are in trouble in the East. I, I feel like when you look at the way that Toronto's playing, even though everyone makes fun of Toronto, <laughs> You look at Toronto in the past few years and see how Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan disappeared. Every year, yeah. But the way they're playing, they have the best bench in the NBA. I don't think there's a team out there right now that has a better bench than Toronto. Um, they're playing as a, as a unit. They're playing in unison. Even that first game they played against Washington, Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan were horrible in the first half, like absolutely horrible. They still found, out the, found a way to actually win right, the game. Right, carried by the bench. Exactly. So I feel like the Cavs, I feel like this is the first year where I can say that I'm not, I'm not even 60% sure that the Cavs will make it to the finals. Yeah. You know, I, I'm definitely with you there, bro. Um, I, I, I did say that I still feel as though the Cavs will find a way to pull through and that's fully in uh, the respect I have for LeBron. You know, it is nothing to do with the team, nothing to do with, uh, Coach Lou's ability to make any adjustments, which he clearly failed to do in game one. Um, I'm basing this solely off respect I have for, in my opinion, the greatest player of all time. I just feel LeBron is, he's, he's just not, I just, like I said, I, I just don't see him losing in the first round. I mean, you know, it's actually crazy to believe that this was the first time in his career he'd even lost a game one of the first round. Um, you know, I, I guess I hadn't even really realized it, but that was a stat that they showed. He had never trailed 1-0 in a first-round series in his career. So my belief is just the fact that LeBron will just find a way to rally the troops, and they're going to get past this series in six. I do think that it's going to be a struggle for them, but I just, like I said, I feel LeBron is going to come out with a different mindset in game two. And if, like I said, if LeBron comes out and, say, drops, you know, a quick 12 in the first quarter, 10 to 12 points, which would be a far cry from what he did in game one, I think that's just going to disrupt the Pacers' defense a little bit because, as you said, you attested to it. The Pacers really came out in game one. LeBron pretty much, uh, which is something rare rare to see, he played right into the opposition's hands. And uh, in the case of Indiana, Indiana wanted him to be past LeBron. They wanted LeBron to kick it out to shooters and basically make all these other guys try to beat them. And uh, no one could. I mean – Apart from, like I said, apart from J.R. Smith, uh, Kevin Love did shoot three of six from three, but he only took eight shots. I, I, did I say six? That, wait, he did shoot three of six from three. Uh, J.R. Smith shot three of six from three, but no one else was getting any good looks, it seems. I mean, the funny thing about it was um, 
the, I thought the, the Pacers did play pretty good defense uh, in terms of guarding that perimeter, which was a little different from what we witnessed in the previous series we talked about. I thought Philadelphia was just missing looks, although I will give credit to Miami. But in this case, uh, I thought, you know, it was, you know, uh, uh, Indiana just played great defense. I mean, it wasn't like, I mean, you know, there were a couple of wide open threes. I do remember a, a wide open transition three Rodney Hood bricked. But for the most part, you know, these were contested threes, shot clock winding down, fading away from the quarter, fading away from the wing. You know, guys weren't really getting in rhythm. But as I said, I just expect LeBron to do as he's always done and power through this series. But in terms of the rest of the way, I'm definitely with you. Um, I, I really don't see this team making it to the finals. Um, and although I wouldn't be one bit surprised if they did, just because, hey, it's LeBron. He's inhuman. He's not from this planet. But Yeah, he's definitely a, a generational right. type but player. Just looking at this team, I mean, really, when you really think about it, it's actually pretty incredible that they, that they even won 50 games. I mean, when you look at this roster, man, I mean – they have some guys that would be like Rodney Hood would be a great. I mean, Rodney Hood is pretty much, I guess, would you say was is a third option on this team? I mean, and and that's not just not mm-hmm. that's just not going to cut it. Um, Rodney Hood, I think, would be a great fourth or fifth option. But when you have a guy like Rodney Hood, who is, uh, I believe, one or two series of playoff experience, I believe he had it last year with the Jazz. Um, yeah, got swept got by the, by the Warriors. Um, that there's no way that can be your third option. Um, but as, as far as the way this team's constructed, also, you know, you have Tristan Thompson completely disappearing. I mean, he only played in two minutes. That could be from uh, some off-the-court issues with some we don't really need to get into. But um, <laughs> could be battling some distractions. But I think they definitely need someone like him to step it up on the boards. Uh, you know, maybe because a guy like him, can definitely help dictate the pace when you're getting those types of offensive rebounds and second chance buckets. Cause right now they're not scoring on their first opportunities uh, at the basket. You, know, you talk about 39% from the field, 24% from three on eight of 34 shooting um, 16 turnovers. That's just, that's just not going to get it done. And uh, to start off a series like that at home, if I'm a Cavs fan, I'm terrified. Like I said, I think LeBron's going to find a way to power through this series. But as far as the rest of the way is concerned, I, I just don't see them making it uh, making it back to the finals. I, I, I pegged Toronto as the favorite, as, as you touched upon. Yeah, I, I think the Cavs' biggest test is going to come in the next round. I, like I said before, I don't think Indiana has enough talent to beat the Cavs in seven games. But – they can slow them down. They can beat them down. They can wear them down. And when that Toronto series comes, the Cavs are lacking one thing that, in my opinion, the other uh, title contenders have, and that's two right. playmakers. DeMar Kyle Lowry. Uh, Golden State has it with, albeit Steph Curry's out right now, but he's going to be back by the second round. Steph well, Curry, or you can say Durant. Draymond Green and Kevin Durant. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, or Draymond Green and Kevin Durant. Um, you look at New Orleans, Drew right. Holiday and Anthony Davis are both phenomenal pickers. OKC really has two, Paul George and, uh, and Mello, Russell Westbrook. Houston, be that two and a half. Exactly. <laughs> and even if you don't go playmaker, you're someone that can, can, someone that can someone create that can their own buck. shot. Put it that way. Yeah. Has it. Right. Houston has it with Chris Paul yeah. and James Harden. And Minnesota has 
as it with Carl uh, Anthony Towns and Jimmy Butler. Cleveland has one playmaker and one person right. that can create their own right. shot. Kevin Love is a phenomenal player. Don't get me wrong, but Kevin Love isn't the guy you're going to go to to initiate no. the offense. Kevin Love is the guy you're going to run the offense for, but he's not going to be there that initiates the offense. He's not going to make the reads on the offense. He's not getting getting everyone else involved, and that's not a knock on yeah. Kevin Love. I mean, that's not his team. That's not he's. That's not how he's played. But I do think Cleveland's in trouble, and I do think that Toronto definitely has a chance more this year, more than any other year, to actually without knock it, off Cleveland in the second round. All right, so leading to our next topic, so who would you consider your four title favorites? Well, uh, obviously, number one at this point, uh, I'm leaning back towards the Warriors uh, just because, again, uh, one winning two championships out of the past, past three years, um, obviously looking to repeat this year. Uh, they're, they're, they look as though they're firing on all cylinders again. I know they're playing a bit of a depleted Spurs team. But, uh, again, without Steph Curry, Clay Thompson really went off last night, chipped in 32, had the three balls falling. And they look as though they're starting to, you know, I think Draymond Green said it best in the post-game interview of game one. He said, you know, we're a championship team. You know, when it comes to this time of the year, we know what it takes to win. And I think uh, although we're only two games in, they're definitely showing that. I mean, they've – I think they trailed early in game two, but by the time the second half rolled around, they really stepped on the Spurs' neck and made sure that, that San Antonio couldn't make any type of a run. Um, and uh, when you look at it the rest of the way, uh, in, in the second round, they'd be matched up against either uh, the Trailblazers or the Pelicans. Um I see the Warriors having little problem with either of those teams, although I do think both those teams are on the rise. But again, uh, once Steph comes back, um, and he's shown in the past that you know when he comes back from an injury, uh, it might not he might not drop forty right away. Well, actually, he did do that earlier this year, didn't he? <laughs> I, think, I think the first game he came back. Yep, he did yeah. Playoffs. Well, I was gonna say was he, right, exactly. So I was gonna say Steph's the kind of guy who can get acclimated pretty. When you couple in the fact that uh, Draymond, KD, Clay are playing well, you know you have the other guys and Iguodala. He's been starting at uh, starting in place of Curry. Um, you have other guys chipping in off the bench. I mean, this is a team that goes what ten deep, uh, eleven deep. I mean, you could argue. So uh, this mm-hmm. is a team that's really rediscovering its championship formula. They've you know they've got the been there, done that mentality. So that's my number one team. Um, my second team, you know, I'm actually going to piggyback up what you said earlier, and I'm going to go with, uh, in the East, Toronto. Uh, I really like the way they play ball, um, especially if Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan can really step it up so far as they're doing. Um, you know, looking at the box score from game two, DeMar DeRozan has 16, Kyle Lowry has seven assists, and we're not even at halftime yet. Toronto's already, uh, blowing apart Washington 76 to 54 uh, getting ready to head into the halftime break. So uh, I look at them just because of their depth. I mean, you know, you never know where you're going to get it. And as you said before, they're kind of that, that team that everyone sort of laughs at like, Oh, they're the Toronto is the cute little, you know, regular season story. They'll win 55 games, but they'll struggle to get past the first round because they always lose game one and so on and so forth. But in, in their case, I, I think this is a year, especially as you've said, since the bronze, uh, since the bronze team and the bronze always been there, uh, 
a longtime nemesis since this is sort of the Cavs down year and who knows what the future holds. I think this is the year that Toronto can really uh, take advantage. And um, if they get to the finals, uh, obviously it wouldn't be easy for them to take on a team like a Golden State. But that's uh, that's my uh, second pick for the two best title teams. So I'll let you give me your uh, other two picks before I uh, get into my final two. So you definitely threw a curveball at me with the Raptors yeah. in the second. But, yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you 100% on the Warriors being number one. Um, just the way they play basketball, if you look at the way they pretty much tore apart the Warriors in their first game, it wasn't close. Honestly, this series is not going to be entertaining at all without Kawhi. Uh, with Kawhi, even though this year, I don't think it would have been close either. Um, you look at their highest, their high scorer for San Antonio was Rudy Gay with 15 points. I mean, Golden State has mm-hmm. too much firepower. Um, when you have Klay Thompson dropping 27 in game one and Kevin Durant dropping 24, there, there's no team in the West, I think, that can yeah. compete with them and except the Rockets. Um, I think in the second round, though, it might be a little hiccup. I, I personally think the Pelicans would be a tougher matchup for uh, Golden State than the yeah. Trailblazers would. Everyone knows the Trailblazers are kind of like Golden State Jr. They like to play the same way. They like to play spaced out. They have two lead guards that like to score and mm-hmm. like to shoot a lot of threes. But I don't think you can beat a team at what they're good at. You can't beat a team that mastered what you're trying to do. So I think that the Pelicans with Drew Holiday playing phenomenal defense, Ray John Rondo with two guards that like to defend and they can defend really good. And then when Anthony Davis playing out of his mind, I feel like that would be a better second-round matchup for Golden State. But I don't think either one of those teams are actually going to come right. close. Uh, both series are either – four or five games. I don't think the Golden State is going to have any extended series to get to the conference finals. Um, if you look at the way they're playing and you look at how they're, like I said, they're just completely dismantling uh, the Spurs without their best player, or not. I'm not going to say their best. I still think Kevin Durant is the most talented player on their team. I'm going to say their most valuable player in Steph Curry. Um, I, I don't think I don't think any team in the West right now is ready for what the Warriors have to bring. Um, my second title favorite, though, would right. be the Rockets. And I only say the Rockets, not based on what they've done in the playoffs, because that game one was dicey. definitely uh, cringeworthy. Yeah, to watch. dicey for sure. It wasn't, it wasn't a great game at all. Um, I feel like with the formula that they have, James, James Harden scoring 44 points, and they only won by three. And, Clint Capella had 24. Uh, that's done. Yeah, Clint Capella had a career night in Carnegie Towns when he had eight points. You can't really account for Carl Anthony Towns, one of the best power forwards slash centers in the NBA to only score right. eight points. He did have 12 rebounds, so he almost had a double-double. But I still feel like Houston, just strictly based on what they did in the regular season, should be the uh, second favorite to win the title. But if you look at Trevor Ariza going one for six and P.J. Tucker going one for five, uh, Eric, going, going, Eric Gordon going three for ten, those would definitely raise some eyebrows for me. Um I don't think James Harden is going to score another 40, 44 points. That's not going to happen, especially with Jimmy Butler out there playing defense. So um, if the Rockets don't clean it up really fast, they might have a little bit longer extended mm-hmm. series. And I don't think they want to go into playing Utah or Oklahoma City kind of be right. retired. Because I feel like if they're not on their A game, Oklahoma City can definitely knock yeah, off the Rockets in the second sure. round. 
But yeah, I feel like my second title favorite has to be the uh the Rockets. I feel like they're the only team that can compete with the Warriors out west. Uh their play style with Chris Paul and James Harden running the show. Clint Capella at the five, PJ Tucker and Trevor Reese at the three and the four. Um, I feel like they definitely have a shot at beating the um beating the Warriors. I still feel like the Warriors are gonna win the title. I feel like the Warriors have too much firepower right now. As you can see, even with Steph Curry out. They feel like they're like they're a team on a mission. Draymond Green said, like you said, uh, they're a championship team. They know how to win, and they're playing with a chip on their shoulder. Uh, they kind of struggled down the stretch without Steph. They've they've heard the talk, they've heard the whispers, um, and I feel like they're definitely coming to the playoffs for something to show people. They're showing people why they're the defending champion, while they've won two out of the last three titles. And once Steph Curry comes back, it's just like a well well oiled machine. It's just going to keep running. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm definitely with you. Uh, on the Warriors' take, and I can hear where you're coming from as far as the Rockets are concerned. But you know, I, I guess I'm just going off uh, my own intuition. For, you know, I, I just I just can't see Houston winning a title. And I know that's probably a weak take because I don't have a whole lot of evidence per se to back up why I feel that way. I mean, this is a team that won 65 games the regular season, went 34 and seven at home, uh, has the likely MVP in my opinion, and James Harden. Um, as an offense uh, under D'Antoni, Coach D'Antoni, that can fire really in, in on all cylinders, literally from 30 feet behind the line. They've got a guy in Clint Capella that can get you buckets down low, and he showed that in uh, game one, really picking up the slack for the people, as you pointed out, Ariza, Tucker, and Gordon, really struggling in game one. But for me, I, I you know, again, I don't have a whole lot of evidence. I'm just going off of the lack of success in – Tony's career All right. in the playoffs. Uh, I, I definitely could see them making it to the conference finals. I mean, and, and that's not to say that I don't rule out the possibility completely because moving on to my next team, I do have Houston as uh, my fourth team, or I'm sorry, my third team to, to third most likely team to win the title. Um, but I guess I just have too many questions because uh, last year, I believe it was game six against the Spurs, you know, James Harden was just an absolute no-show. And in big games in the postseason, you know, he's really yet to answer all those questions that we have for him because he kind of does that every year in these elimination games where, you know, it's all right, big fellas, step up, step it up for us, drop 35, you know, go out and get, get us the W. And last year, you know, he failed miserably. Um, okay. I have, I have a question to ask you then since that's the rationale right. you're thinking. Um the past few years, we look at the Raptors in the playoffs, they've been Absolutely. horrible. Like, they've fallen apart right. completely. But besides that, so if you have a Raptors versus Warriors, I mean, Raptors versus uh, Rockets finals, you t- you're taking no, the Raptors I'll, I'll to win take that the series? No, just off home court. All right, let's say the Raptors have home court. The Raptors have home court? Uh, yep, I'm just throwing hypotheticals out there. Do you think the Raptors are a better team? Overall, do I think, no, I don't think they're a better team. I'm just going off of matchups because in terms of the path to get to the finals, uh, as you've said, you know, in the second round, awaiting um, awaiting Houston is either the Jazz or Oklahoma City. And that's a team that can, I think, can run with the Rockets, either team with Donovan Mitchell in Utah and obviously the three-headed monster in uh, Westbrook, Paul George, and uh, Mello, Thunder. So I feel that's a team that can sort of stretch Houston out to six games uh, should they meet. And then by the time the conference finals come, 
come around, I, I, I think um, Golden State will be well-rested. As you said, probably not, probably not have either series in the first round go be, uh, in the second round, excuse me, go beyond five games. So I think that the rest factor will be crucial. And I think even with home court, excuse me, a healthy Golden State team with uh, Steph Curry back out there, I, I just don't see Houston, even with home court advantage, being able to pull the upset on, uh, well, it wouldn't really be an upset per se, but being able to uh, topple the defending champs. But from the Eastern Conference perspective, the reason why I put Toronto as my number two favorite is just because I look at their path to the finals. Um, right. It's significantly easier. I don't think there's really any team in the East unless somehow LeBron, you know, creates some magic potion a la MJ and uh, Space Jam to give the rest of his play to give the rest of his teammates so that they can play on his level the rest of the way. Uh, apart from them, you know, I, I just don't see any uh, real competition for the Rockets, um, especially when you look at the Celtics depleted roster. Um, I just don't see any team posing a major threat to Toronto the rest of the way. That's the primary reason why I have them at my number two spot. And I think that once you get to the finals, we've seen it year in and year out. And once you get there, you know, anything is possible. You know, Cleveland shocked the world coming from back 3-1 a few years ago in 2016. You know, you've had those upsets in the finals uh, although they're not as common may- maybe as they are in other sports and a championship series, that once you get there, anything is possible. And because I think Toronto's path to the finals is just so uh, so easy, I-, I-, I peg them as my number two favorite and my number three favorite in uh, is Houston. So I- I'll let you give me your number three favorite before I touch on my number four favorite. Right, and it's, it's really funny because – See, I have, even though I, I, I kind of knocked on LeBron and I knocked on the Cavs on how they played the first game, I still, I'm still over 50% sure that they're okay. going to make it to the finals. So they're still majority favorite. I just, I see it year in and year out. For some reason, LeBron is kryptonite. They cannot beat this guy. The past three years, they can't right. beat LeBron. I don't think the Raptors being able to beat Cleveland in the second in the second round. I mean, I see it happening. I, I see how they could do it. I don't actually think it's going to right. happen, though. I feel like somehow LeBron's going to pull everyone up, put him on his back, and he's going to carry them to the promised land or at least the conference finals. Um, the only thing with your Raptors theory <clears throat> that I actually have to disagree with is let's say they do beat Cleveland in the second round. Um, if, if the Sixers can somehow beat the Heat, if they could beat them in six games, like I said earlier, and they get Joel and B back. I feel like that Sixers team can definitely match up with yeah, the Raptors as well. True. I feel like if they can, if if the Raptors, and it's going to sound crazy, if the Raptors were to beat Cleveland, and the Sixers were to beat the Heat, I believe in the second round, Joel and B will come back. I believe the Sixers will go. Yeah, to the Yeah, that's you know, it's a crazy thing because I've actually thought about that theory myself. Like, could this young Sixers team really shock the world? and make it to the finals. And I do think that there is a legitimate possibility. So I can definitely hear you on that. And if you look at Milwaukee and you look at Boston, neither one of those teams are really a threat. Boston would have been with Kyrie and Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward has always been out for the whole year. Kyrie's always been out since pretty much the whole second half of the year. I don't think either one of those teams will be able to beat uh, Philly. So I think if Philly can beat the Heat, they have a easy shot to the conference finals. And like I said, if somehow the Raptors were to knock off Cleveland, I feel like 
the Sixers will beat the Raptors in the conference finals and make yeah, the championship. Yeah, that's definitely possible. I'm with you there. So, so my third team on the list okay. though is Cleveland. Just because when you have the best player in the NBA, one of the best players of all time, the best player of this generation, things happen. You know, you win games, you win series, you will your way to win series. And I feel like he just needs just enough production from the lineup, just enough. He doesn't need a a stellar production from from George. He doesn't need George Hill being Kyrie Irving 2.0. He needs George Hill to go out there, be solid, get 10 to 15 points. Same thing with Rodney Hood. Kevin Love, if he can come alive like he did uh, a few years back, who they play against, Atlanta? Yeah. When they, Cleveland just couldn't miss the reason they hit 21 in the game. Uh, if he can get his Cavs to play like that Cavs team, like I said, they don't have Kyrie, so it is a little tricky. I feel like Cleveland could definitely make it to the finals. Now, when they get to the finals, their best bet is that somehow the Rockets already knocked off the Warriors. And I thought that would be Cleveland's best bet to win the finals is actually playing against the Rockets. And because I'm going to piggyback off what you said, we have seen James Harden shrink mm-hmm. in big moments. Uh, Chris Paul, people love to knock Chris Paul, but in elimination games, Chris Paul is pretty good. Uh, we don't really see Chris Paul shrink as much. We see his team right. lose a lot of Last big year in games. Game seven, he didn't, Paul, it wasn't really his fault why they lost to Utah. Exactly. Like, Chris Paul doesn't really shrink in big moments, you know. So, I feel like if Cleveland were to make it to the finals, they're betting on or they're hoping and praying that the Rockets actually beat the Warriors just because their play styles and how they play. Well, of course. Like I said, the Warriors, they're, they have weapons all over the court. The Rockets only really have two weapons. Everyone else are just great players. role players. Exactly. The Rockets have Chris Paul and James Harden. Uh, it really is just like the Cleveland roster. They have a shooters. They have a big man. Clint Capella is what Cleveland wished Tristan Thompson was. At the end of the day, he's not going to be – he's not going to make or break the series. He's not going to be the guy that beats you if you get the ball to him in a post. So, I, and for that reason, like I said, I think every team in the East right now is afraid of Cleveland. They might not admit it. They might say, oh, they only won 50 games. You know, they came – they were the fourth seed. I feel like when LeBron steps on the court, every team is afraid that he might have one of those monster LeBron games where he scores 40, has 15 rebounds and 10 assists. I don't think – there's not another player in the East right now that I can say going into the fourth quarter down by 10 points, okay, this player right now is going to single him, take over the game, and win his team the game. And I feel like LeBron is the only player in the Eastern Conference right now where you can say that for. And that for that reason, that's so why that's I have your third. Okay. You know, that nice little segue because my fourth team actually is Cleveland. And, again, literally solely off of the power of LeBron. Um, the way I look at Cleveland, uh, what they really need is Kevin Love to step up. If Kevin Love can get you anywhere from 17 to 22 points a game, Cleveland will be in position to win the rest of the way. I mean, maybe not to the finals, maybe not in the finals, but if you can get Kevin Love to get you 17 to 22, you can get Rodney Hood to get you anywhere from, you know, 11 to 14. George Hill can just come out and sort of dictate the pace. He doesn't even necessarily need to score per se, but just, you know, maybe 10, get you seven or eight, you know, assists to play off the ball a little bit, uh, or when LeBron is playing off the ball, whatever the case may be. Um, 
um, if, if you can go ahead and, and, and handle it from that perspective, then I definitely can see the Cavs rediscovering the championship formula. And, and again, LeBron, as usual, is coming in with a chip on his shoulder. And there's nothing scarier than LeBron with the chip on his shoulder because he's definitely, you know, looking at it from, you know, hey, this is what everyone said. Everyone was saying that I couldn't get it done without Kyrie. And after that game one, people are talking. You know, everyone's saying, uh-oh, Brom, Brom, this is Kyrie, this is Kyrie. All that does is rile him up. That's why I I wouldn't be shocked to see an historic-type performance from Bron in game two. You know, get your 40 to 45, uh, 10 to 15 boards, 10 to 13 assists. You know, I, I fully expect that because when it comes time for LeBron to step it up and, and, sh- and, and silence the critics – there's, he's, he's arguably the best on the planet in the past, you know, excuse me, 25 years other than a guy named Michael Jordan to do that. So uh, the way I see it, Cleveland is my number four team solely off the power of LeBron. And because I do still believe that the complimentary players, if they can just play a little better than they did in game one, because everyone virtually apart from J.R. Smith and, uh, Larry Nance Jr. just played horrendous. Again, Kevin Love, nine points, eight points, ain't going to cut it. I don't really care about your 17 rebounds. I need you to get me 18 points. You know, give me, give me 10 rebounds, but give me 18 to 20 points. I need you to knock down three or four threes for me. I need you to be a, a legitimate threat offensively for me. Yeah, no, I agree. Because rebounds is, are not a direct correlation Absolutely. to points. I feel like the Cavs are rather trading. I feel like the Cavs rather have he had rather Kevin Love have eight rebounds and seventeen points. Without than doubt, around. because you just you desperately but, need um, someone else to to shoulder the load. Exactly, but my fourth team, and we we have the same different four order. teams, just different order. My fourth is the Rockets. Raptors, I mean the okay. Raptors. Um, even though I said earlier, I feel like the Sixers could beat them in the conference finals. If you remember at the beginning of the podcast, I, I remember saying that. I feel like the Sixers are going to lose in seven games to the Heat. And if the Sixers lose to the Heat, that opens up. I feel like the Raptors' eyes should just be open wide because in the second round, if they beat the Cavs, they'll walk to the finals. I don't think the Heat, the Bucks, or the Celtics will be able to beat the Raptors right. in the seven-game series. Not really a test to uh, DeMar DeRozan or Kyle Lowry. It's not a test to their whole team. Like I said, all year long, the Raptors had the best bench in the NBA. Um, I think the Raptors have the correct formula. I, I think they're the closest team to what the 0-4 yeah, did in these mm-hmm. playoffs. They have a star in DeMar DeRozan, but he's not a superstar. Yeah. He's not a guy that's going to go out and get you 35 points a night, but he can get you easily a good 25 points a night. They play good, hard-nosed defense. They play team ball. Um, and they're deep. <laughs> I don't – yeah, and they're deep, too. I don't see too many teams out east being able to compete with that. Like I said, if they can if they can somehow knock off the Cavs in the second round, I feel like the Raptors will have a great shot. Now, like I said before, uh, both Eastern Conference teams or all Eastern Conference teams are dependent on the Rockets to knock off mm-hmm. the Warriors. I don't think any team from the East is going to be able to beat the Warriors in the seven-game seven game series. I think their best chance is actually running into a Rockets team that's already worn down from the gauntlet in the Western Conference. 
who's had to go through first Minnesota, then Oklahoma, then Golden State, and then when they get into the finals, hope that the Rockets mm-hmm. run out of the gas. But I think that the championship, the championship team this year, yeah. is going to be from the yeah, West. Sure. Um, I think either Houston or Golden State. I personally, I think it's going to be Golden State again. But I think either one of those two teams, they're just too, they're too cohesive for the rest of the league. Like I said, although the role players and the surrounding players on the Rockets may not be better or maybe in the same caliber as the players from the Raptors or from the Cavs, I feel like everyone plays their role well. Eric Gordon plays his role well. Gerald Green plays his role role well. Clint Capella, P.J. Tucker, and Trevor Reza, they all know what to do. And I feel like somehow James Harden and Chris Paul, they make sure that they get those guys involved. They hit the big shots and they need to hit the big shots. Like, in game one, if I told you that Clint Capella was going to have 24 and 12 rebounds, right. you probably would have laughed at me. In the 15 from the field and he went 4-4 from the free throw line, like, that's not something that Clint Capella does. But in the game that they need him to, he did. When the two other starters scored six points combined, Trevor Reese and P.J. Tucker, and shot two from 11 for, from the field, you need guys right. like Clint Capella to step up. And that's what a team like the Cavs mm-hmm. don't have. If LeBron scores 40, and let's say Kevin Love scores 15 to 20, like Chris Paul at 14, who's that third guy that's going to step up if two other stars don't do anything? Jeff Green has zero points and no other starters like, okay, or no other player really was like, okay, the team needs me. I need to give them a good solid 15 points. Jordan Clarkson didn't do it. Jose Calderon, although he didn't play, he didn't do it. Like, there was not one player on the Cavs that really was able to step up in that mm-hmm. moment when they needed him. And I feel like that's going to be the tail for the right. Of the and just to piggyback off what you just said, as far as the Cavs are concerned, um, with the with the lack of a third, you know, sort of big time player to complement um, Kevin Love and LeBron, I think what their formula really is, you know, best case scenario is to consistently get LeBron to get you anywhere from thirty to thirty five, get you the ten to twelve boards, get you the ten to twelve, get you the ten to twelve assists. You need Kevin Love to get you anywhere from 17 to 23 a game. But then really what they rely on is just a, a bevy of other players to sort of do all the little things. You know, no no exactly. third player, because this isn't the Kyrie Irving's uh, Cavs teams. You need two or three other guys to each chip in, like 12 to 15 each. So you need a guy like J.R. Smith to get you 12 to 15. You need a guy like Rodney Hood to get you 12 to 15. And then let's say a Jeff Green to get you twelve to fifteen because there's not going to be a third guy who's who can who can get you twenty five plus on that squad. So, so yeah, yeah go ahead. And this, I would like to, if you look at this Cavs team, and it's going to sound hmm. like blasphemy, but you can really compare them to the two thousand seven Cavs roster <laughs> that LeBron took to the finals. Outside, outside of Kevin Love, because Kevin Love is a great player. Like I said, all respect to Kevin Love. If you look at that 07 team, you look at this year's team, what's really uh, the difference? That, that 50 games? Yeah, I could. Yeah. Like, you you can't really name a difference in that Cavs team. LeBron averaged 27 points that year, 27, 6, and 6. His second leading score was Larry Hughes, yeah. and he averaged 14. Well, I mean, really 15 well, points. just averaging like 13. Or... <laughs> All right, yeah, Bill Gauss is averaging 12 and 7. Like I said, you slide Kevin Love in there right under LeBron, 
the rest of this roster is no, I'm just with you. Like that. Actually, believe it or not, I'm not even going to call that blasphemy because uh, I could definitely. There are definitely a lot of parallels. Um, neither team has a coach you really put much trust in. Uh, Mike Brown was, uh, you know, no disrespect to him, he was never really a big name coach. He, you know, he kind of his claim to fame was kind of having LeBron under him. And then Ty Lue, uh, I, I give him all the credit in the world for the for sort of guiding the Cavs from that 3-1 uh, deficit in, in the finals. But there's nothing really Ty Lue has really done to blow me away as far as a major adjustment that he's made during a series or, um, you know, any sort of uh, like benching or benching a particular player to say set the, set the, set the tone or something, you know. Whatever the whatever coaching adjustments you can point to, there's nothing Ty Lue has ever really done that really has wowed me. So in terms of coaching, there's definitely some parallels. And in terms of the way the, the teams are designed, I mean, there's obvious parallels because, again, Kevin Love, I, I mean, I don't think there's any question, is better than any player LeBron had on that 07 team. But at the same right. time, that 07 team was known for the fact that LeBron needed the ball in his hands 90% of the time he was on the court. And it's really the same case here because Kevin Love isn't a point guard. He isn't a two guard. He isn't a, he isn't a wing per se. You know, he's, he's a four, he's a stretch four. And right now they haven't played as a stretch five based on the way the lineup is constructed because Tristan Thompson comes off the bench. So there's no other guy on the court you can remotely really trust down the stretch in the fourth quarter, five or six minutes left, tight game. You know, LeBron's going to be winded because he's going to have the ball in his hands 90% of the time. You know, really it's kind of like every <laughs> – every LeBron James Cavs teams prior to his return. You know, if you look at the 09 and mm-hmm. 2010 teams, when it was what, uh, Mo Williams and, and Delonte West. But, you know, I will say this, and it was something that Chris Broussard sort of t- touched upon um, uh, earlier in the season. You know, I, I don't remember if it was immediately after the trade deadline or, you know, toward, but this was, you know, in February or, or early March. But one point that he made that really caught my attention, you know, Chris Broussard's kind of joked upon uh, or joked about for his, you know, sort of riding LeBron's coattails or whatever you want to call it. Um, he said that the difference between this Cavs team and the Cavs teams that he had in, in 07 and 08 and 09 and 2010 was that, believe it or not, LeBron had all the confidence in the world in those teams. He and, and, right. and you could and he said you could ask LeBron, you know, he had all the confidence in the world and guys like. Booby Gibson and Zdrunas Ogowskis and Marajau and Delonte West and Mo Williams. You know, he actually had faith that if he were to kick the ball out to one of those two guys in a, in a clutch spot, they would help win. Whereas in this case, you know, apart from Kevin Love, and that's only because he's won a title with him, I mean, who can you really say LeBron has confidence in? I, I mean, forget the lack of familiarity. I mean, what have any, what have any of these other guys even done to prove their value in their careers. I mean, and that's not necessarily their fault. You know, a lot of these guys come from bad organizations, whether it's Larry Nance and Clarkson playing their careers with crummy Lakers teams. Um, <laughs> you know, no one, there's no one has really even made a name for himself off of this Cavs roster. So if I'm LeBron, I mean, that's, that's definitely got to create some friction because when the fourth quarter comes down, LeBron being the selfless teammate that he is, who always wants to get his guys involved, more power to him. But, boy, I mean, you just got to ask, like, who who can you possibly trust on this roster? To get done, especially if Kevin Love's jump shot isn't falling. I mean, then it's, it's got to literally feel like one on five. 
Yeah, no, I, I think that's definitely true. This year, there's not a player that other teams are afraid of going down the stretch like LeBron has had in right. previous years. You look at his first year in Miami, he had Dwayne Wade. And Dwayne Wade was always a threat in the fourth quarter. No matter how bad he played during the game, in the fourth quarter, Dwayne was was a threat to score the ball. Kyrie Irving the past three years have been threat a threat to score the ball. Kyrie Irving will take over games. LeBron James just sits back and lets him score and do his thing. This year, who's he going to get the ball to? George Hill? Rodney Hood? Right. Jordan Clarkson? Even Kevin Love. Kevin Love is not really a threat to take over a game. Kevin Love is a guy that needs another guy, i.e. LeBron James, to set him up mm-hmm. to be successful. Kevin Love isn't going to be that guy to where he's going to command the ball. He commands the defense's attention, but he doesn't command the ball. He's not a guy that, that will be able to take power forwards off the dribble. I, I don't see Kevin Love taking people off the dribble. That's not what he does, not his game. Uh, they don't have any, really anyone on the roster except for LeBron. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, I, 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 I'll just echo exactly what you said, man. And again, it's, it's the confidence factor because half of his teammates didn't arrive until February. The big difference between LeBron, uh, the LeBron led team now, and even those LeBron Cleveland teams prior to his return in twenty, uh, in twenty fourteen, is is the confidence factor. If I'm LeBron, I don't know how you can. I mean, especially just. A major detriment to that game one would just be the way it started off with all those guys missing open shots. If I'm LeBron, that's got to do a lot to my mindset and basically tell me, like, hey, man, I have to score 40 euros. We're screwed. Like, we got no chance the rest of the way. So, you know, that's that's got to be a bit of a – that's definitely got to be a, a major concern for uh, for Cleveland moving forward. So that's why I have them number four. Any other situation, they're almost always my number two or number three team. But I couldn't put them any higher than number four just based on all those factors. Right, no, and, and I can definitely I can definitely um respect the argument right. there. But um we'll see how everything plays out and we'll give an update in a few days so everything goes. Uh I'm D Moore. I'm Nabil. <laughs> all right, we'll talk to you guys all right, soon. Thank you. All right, peace.